Hi, this is Billy Sands. When I want to spice up my barbecue, I always listen to Chris and Case on the Detroit Lions broadcast show. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who haven't scored since 1958. Chris and Case. Hey, Idaho Lions fans, welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 253. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris. And with me is my good friend and co-host, Case. How you doing, brother? I'm good, Chris. Uh, this whole XFL thing's been pretty exciting. Um, I decided, you know, I, I just kind of uh, randomly picked based on who I thought looked cool, but I decided on the New York Guardians, and, and they did pretty well. How, who do you pick, and how are they doing? Um, I, I think my wife said it best when um, she said it was like watching football every other damn Sunday. <laughs> Things didn't go as planned. Uh, the local boys were evidently not the boys that we should have been uh, rooting for, so what are you going to do, I guess? Life in the, in the fast lane, life in the big city, life in my brand of misery. Um, let's just move on from that. We're going to talk about today's show. We've got a lot to talk about. XFL is going to be a piece of it, um, but we got draft shatter. We're going to, we're going to shatter your chatter in the, ja- in the draft. We got uh, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, trade back, got a lot of possibilities. We're going to talk about that number three pick or what it might mean, where we could go, what could happen. And what our preferences are as of today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Quintricia ultimatum that's been out there and people have talked about. There's a post in Reddit that we want to address about that. Also, we are going to have our old friend, our good friend, Dean Blandino. He's going to break down the first week of the NFL. He's going to look ahead to the second week of the XFL. And we're just going to take a look at it. It was a fun league. And... Uh, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about from that. So we're just going to go ahead and jump in a little on that. Got that and a whole lot more. Great show lined up. Case, you ready to go, my man? Chris, um, at a certain point, I think you have to ask whether it's you or the team. Let's kick this off and break it down. I think we all know the answer to that. <clears throat> all right. A couple of quick announcements. First, check us out and help us out on the Patreon. Special thanks to Dylan from... Very sexy, very sexy. Of course, our very first owner, Mathis, and Brian B. from I Prevail, IPrevailBand.com. Check them out. They are awesome live. They're on tour right now. You don't want to miss. But how do you get to hang out with those people? The Riz, Case, myself, a whole bunch of cool people? Well, you do it in the most intelligent chat on the internet, our Slack chat for Patreon users. Head over to Patreon, become a donor, get access to the Slack chat, and have fun. And, and I mean, some of the stuff we're talking about today will come straight out of those conversations. It really yeah. is some of the best stuff you're going to find. Um, little is a dollar a month. Of course, we appreciate more than that. It helps us do all the great things we do, like Senior Bowl and our parties and our training camp coverage and all that. Um, head on over. Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Detroit Lions podcast and uh, join the crew. You get some good stuff out of it uh, beyond the Slack. Uh, you get some really great stuff, uh, previews, early information, um, and uh, 
There's the one we dropped today. We'll drop a little later in the show. And uh, you get access to opportunities to ask questions of our of our highly esteemed guests. So check us out. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Also, don't forget about us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Detroit Lions Podcast. Instagram, Detroit Lions Podcast. And on the Twitter machine at DET Lions Podcast. Give us a follow. DET Lions Podcast. It's the very best place to see Case. With no pants on. And who wouldn't want to see that subscribe on youtube youtube.com slash detroit lions podcast what else would it be get in there you can hit the bell you get notified every time we go live you can see that you can uh, get notified every time we get a, a little one of those video things up uh, we got some cool stuff in the wings coming up so uh, check that out get subscribed in there also on itunes stitcher google play spotify iheart pandora all those places you can get you can subscribe there rate us there give us those five stars love those five stars those things are forever though so if you'd like to give us some criticism, head on over to the subreddit and uh, we'll happily discuss what ticked you off. <laughs> I, I'd give names to people you can ask, but for sure, we, we totally do that. Give us a call on Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast. If you use the Skype or on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS, 929-335-4667. Leave a message to get a chance to hear yourself on the show. Tighten your chin straps, kids. It's time to review this week in Reddit. I'm starting to like this sissy truly stuff. It's pretty yummy. <laughs> 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 nothing to me. Nothing. No problem with the low carb, no low cal kind of living. I guess. Uh, all right, we got a lot to talk about today, and I think the the, um, the biggest topic that's that's got people going right now is the idea of drafting um, Mr. Tua, and I, I I think that we're we're aligned on this case. Uh, for the Detroit Lions to pick up Tua at three, um, you were saying in the Slack earlier how great an idea it was. Yeah, we're absolutely behind it. Oh, wait, I said it was the most intelligent. I just said that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about this Tua idea. We, talk, we touched on it before, but I think you know now there's more info. Now there's some people really thinking, it. What, what, what is this? What is this case? Well, okay, so I think it's a bad idea for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think... A lot of most people have been focusing on, you know, just the fact that we like Stafford and that uh, people still have faith in Stafford and that there's no, you know, guarantee that that two is going to be any good and things like that. And I agree with all that. I, I think that's, you know, I mean, that's really the, 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 maybe the main point. But what I did, was I looked at it from a financial aspect mm-hmm. and the idea and, and even a lot of the comments that I've seen on subreddit on various things that are pro to, a, I, I think people don't think those things all the way through. Um, the biggest benefit of having a good quarterback on a rookie contact contract. And obviously you don't know whether or not two is actually going to be any good or not. Like that's still way up in the air. I, um, can I just jump in with the, the really quick piece from the, uh, the, the chat? Yeah. Cause it's, it's really, really good. Uh, Chris, I'll just say your Chris C. Cause I don't give people's last names. He says, we give up 50 sacks a year and two is always hurt. Please. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's really I mean, the long and short of it. Right. Go ahead. I didn't mean to undercut you, but no, that's okay. Um, that's a bad brew. But the, the biggest benefit of having a young quarterback on a rookie contract is the rookie contract because right. Matt, uh, Patrick Mahomes would still be a, probably be a very good quarterback 
in another situation, but it's because the chiefs have been able to surround him with such a plethora of talent that they were able to go to the Super Bowl this year and win. Like they're not, they're pro I mean, obviously I don't know, you know, I can't, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, it would be very surprising if the same chiefs team that won the Super Bowl this year had been able to do so if they couldn't have afforded to bring in that extra talent that his contract allowed them to do. Right. That's the benefit of having a rookie quarterback. The issue and, is that Stafford. There, there's one other piece of that, though, but because the quarterback is the largest chunk of your salary right. cap, right? I mean, well, why don't you, you know, isn't it great to have any player on it? Absolutely. But when you got a guy that eats up 15 to 17 to maybe 20% of your salary right. cap, you want that player in particular as a comparative advantage to be on a rookie contract. Go ahead. Sorry. The issue is that Stafford, if we were to try to, you know, cut him or even to trade him under most circumstances, would still be costing us a massive amount of money over the next two seasons. Isn't it like 15? And, and so you negate, you immediately take that advantage that you're hoping to have for four or, or hopefully five years with a rookie contract taken, a quarterback taken in the first round. And you've already just like slashed two years off of that. Mm hmm. And, and so like you, if you add that to the, to the risk factors involved with taking a rookie quarterback, it just almost makes it nonsensical. It, if you're going to take a rookie quarterback, you want to be in the best position to take advantage of having that rookie quarterback. Sure. Yeah. We are not in that position right now. And we won't be until the 2022 draft. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. And, and we've talked about this and I, I've kind of brought it up. You know how I, I do. I use appreciative inquiry or in other words i ask dumb questions sometimes to to illustrate a point and, and i've asked this well why don't we just get a quarterback and, and he can sit and learn under stafford for a year that doesn't happen there's just too much money the only person that you would draft if you're looking for a quarterback if you're the detroit lions this year is joe burrow because he is one of those talents oh even then absolutely no no i get it i get it but he's one of those talents that you absolutely cannot pass on now it, it, that's a tough one. That, I mean, Joe Burrow is a tough one. I'm just going to say I I lean towards I just take him, and I and, and, and I, mean, I hate it, to say that because I love Stafford, right? I've, I've said that many times, but I, I I I take him. The other option is, boy, he is worth a lot. You could probably get a ton of treasure if you're sitting number one and you trade away and let someone else have Joe Burrow. Well, and here's what I'll tell you: the way the way the you know trends are are going at the moment, to his stock is on the rise again. Yeah. And while Burrow had one of the greatest college football seasons of all time, he is a one-year wonder, whereas Tua had the consistency. And Tua projects uh, easier as a long-term fit in the NFL than Burrow does, uh, at least in t at least you know if if health is not an issue. Sure. Um, he, you know, you see, I'm seeing a lot of comparisons to Drew Brees with, with uh, Tua, whereas Burrow is like, it, nobody is sure whether or not he'll be, I mean, what he was able to do in a single season is questionable as to whether or not that's sustainable for him. Um, so, I mean, like, it's not going to blow my mind if the narrative on those two QBs is flipped by the time the actual draft comes around. Right. But the point, but the, I mean, I'm not personally going to take either of them if they one of or the other of them is available when we're picking we should be able to get a good trade deal and take advantage of that right but right. if i go back 
to the contract situation again. So like I said, we wouldn't be in position until the, the 2022 draft for to take advantage of taking a rookie first round quarterback and getting the most out of that situation. But at the same time, by the time we get to the 2022 draft, Stafford's contract is going to look really favorable compared to the rest of the league. And so unless Stafford at that point is, you know, it's clear that he's not going to be physically able to perform or it's clear that he's in, in some way that his talents have diminished, which that was certainly not the case before he got hurt this last year. He was playing the best football of his career. And we'll talk about that later. Um, It doesn't, honestly, the most obvious scenario that plays out here is that he plays out the rest of his contract and either they, either they choose not to re up him or they extend him and he continues to play for the lions. I mean, those are the two most obvious uh, scenarios here. And if you're, if you're clamoring for a rookie quarterback, this is not the year you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot if they do that. So that's, I I think, you know, um, the logic just doesn't match the desire of some fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll say one other thing uh, about that kind of idea. The um, Brandon in the in the chat brings up a, a kind of converse point. Uh, people forget that Kansas City was already a playoff team with Alex Smith, and they traded way up to get Mahomes. Yep. Interesting, interesting situation, right? And it's it's just something to think about. Is is Joe Burrow, Mahomes. I don't know. So, lots to talk about with that, right? Um, what else on tour? So, I, I and I say that again. That was my appreciative inquiry. I I don't think you get rid of Matthew Stafford. I think you still have a number of years left with him in this city, um, especially as well as he played last year. The idea that he's injury prone or any of that kind of stuff is is absolutely silly to me. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether or not he's going to be able to fully recover from this back thing, but that's the team has to decide whether or not they have the faith in him to do that. But it, it, it unless they're absolutely convinced that he can't, yeah. now is not the time to move on. No, no, absolutely not. Unless he retires. All right. <laughs> um, in which case we're, we're screwed we're you know, completely because then we, then we have to take a quarterback and we still get, you know, screwed with the uh, dead cat money. So, and do you th- can you imagine the screams and howls of pain from people who would blame the administration, the owners, and the coaches mm-hmm. in the front office? Oh, I can't. <laughs> you can, but you don't want to. I get it. All right. Hey, um, with that, really quick, you want to know about injuries? You want to learn how to how to understand how uh, Matthew Stafford's injuries aren't really that serious? Go get yourself an anatomy book. There's a good medical book. You can pick one up over at Amazon, <laughs> right? Yeah, get yourself studying in. Get smarter. Do that stuff. You right? know, that's where I get all my anatomy books. Chris. <laughs> well, it's better than the rack on Seven Eleven. Case, jeez. Anyway, head on over. I've to seen some good racks on Seven Eleven. Amazon. DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Amazon. DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Don't throw your money into Jeff Bezos' pocket without stopping by there first. It shoots you right through to Amazon, gives you a cookie in your browser. You don't even notice it happens. We slide it right in there. And with that magic, they give us a cut of the sales. You keep some of that money out of that that greedy son of a gun Jeff Bezos' pocket, and you help enrich in the empire of the Detroit Lions podcast, as you can see. Um, head on over, do that. We love it when you do that. It helps support the show and, and help support us and all the things we do. Again, go to amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com. Anytime you're going to go to Amazon to buy anything and uh, help us out. We appreciate you doing that and helping us by doing something you were going to do anyway. All right. Let's get into the draft a little more. We have 
this question. What's the deal at number three and why? And there's a couple scenarios that I think we want to talk about. And I'm going to let you kick off the first one case. It's just straight up. We got number three. Whatever reason, Chase Young's there. What do we do? It still depends on what anybody else might be willing to give us for him. Okay. Um, go stop, stop, stop. You're going to go in left field. You take, you take Chase Young. That's our first scenario. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk I about mean, somebody else. We're going to talk about somebody else. We got a couple scenarios here to go through. You take Chase Young. What does that do for your team? Well, he's a really good pass rusher. I mean, I don't think there's any two ways about it. And I know that, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, anytime a, a draft pick gets this much attention, you're going to find people who are, are looking for the reasons why they're not as good as people say they are. Sure. And I, it's not that I don't understand where some of these people are coming from that, you know, he disappeared in some of the best games, but then you look at those best games and, and he's being double teamed the whole time. And if you've got a player like him being double teamed, I mean that, you, you know, anytime you've got a player that demands two defensive players, you know, on every play that's setting up advantages for everyone else. So I have no problem with that. Uh, he's got the strength. He's got speed. He's got tenacity and finish. I have no problem whatsoever with having chase young on this team. I'm not sure he's exactly the best fit ah, for Matt Patricia's defense. That's but, where, that's where the big knock is. Right. And this is where I'm, I'm extremely torn because chase young, if he's there, he is absolutely BPA. He is just he's just that that player. Yeah. You gotta take him. Right. It's it's like having Joe Burrow first. You gotta take him. You gotta. Unless I mean you got Peyton Manning in his prime, and even then yeah. you wouldn't be drafting first if you did. Um it's it's I love Chase Young, but the fit, the fit on this team and what would be the impact of Chase Young be. I feel like if we if Chase is there at three, we get him. Or and this is the other thing. This is now the one that's the big, uh, the big Kahuna that people are talking about. The idea that we uh, we pick Okuda, and that's what everyone's talking about is Okuda number three and the fit that that is for the Lions. I don't disagree about the fit and how good he is. What do you think about taking Okuda instead, straight up at three? I don't. I only dislike it in the context of you'd hope to get something more uh, out of that. You'd hope to be able to move down to at least five and still take a CUDA. That's, that's, the next that's, scenario. The, that's the next scenario. Right. I, I get it. Like, <laughs> okay. Okay. I, so get, I get it. A three. I don't like it, but I can't talk about the Akuda pick at number three without talking about the context in which I, I like it or dislike it. I'm, you have to, I'm not thrilled with it because I think I can do better if I'm able to get him elsewhere, but, but as far as a fit, I do like him a lot. And, and uh, so maybe the big knock on Okuda is a lack of takeaways. Mm -hmm. um, but I've watched, I've watched a little bit of film on Okuda. I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, um, but he, damn, is he shut down? I mean, he, he just, he doesn't, he breaks up passes left and right. He is up in everybody's grill. And I, I the, the concern would be uh, translating that to the NFL, translating that specifically to the lions without getting penalized all the time for it. But uh, if he can, if he can stay as sticky as he is and, and continue to break up passes like he does, uh, I mean, I don't care if he gets a ton of uh, turnovers as long as he doesn't allow, you know, big passes on right. a regular basis. Right. 
So the thing is, and let's talk about snap counts, because snap counts are where you're going to see a big difference uh, between Okuda and Chase Young. You're going to see um, Okuda on the field for many, many more snaps Mm -hmm. and making an impact, it seems like, more more in that manner, Well. You say impact, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean the word. edge. The edge. The edge position tends to have more impact and less snaps, or, or I should say, you know, they have a similar, the same number amount of impact in a fewer number of snaps in general mm-hmm. than a cornerback does, because a cornerback isn't getting targeted all the time. And now, now, granted, a lot of times a cornerback isn't getting targeted is because the cornerback is doing a really good job. But that's not always the case. They, they're just not always involved in the play, whereas an edge player is basically involved in the play no matter what's going on mm-hmm. whether the pass rushing the passer or or running the football the edge passer is impacting the play right. so yeah and and then the other side of it is as brendan's uh referring to is the amount of time it takes a cornerback to get up to speed where they actually do make an impact right yeah now you got to think though okuda with a year under slay is a really good idea we know slay's going Right. We can, we don't know. I mean, you don't know, no, no, but I would say it's pretty, pretty certain at this point that, that Slay yeah, is going to be right, the writing is on the wall. Sure. And this is a year that Slay needs to perform. He wants to get paid. He's got to perform. He's got to go out there and he's got to show himself to be the Darius Slay. That's going to collect all that money that, that 15 mil, at least a year that he's talking about on Twitter. Right. So what does he do? He has to go out there and play. He has to ball out and he has to be good in the locker room too because the, the, you know, it gets around what you're like in the locker room. Yeah. And what an opportunity for Okuda to spend a year growing under Slay for that first year, right? And the same thing with Arrow Warrior. He's still out there. Yeah. He's, he's kicking it. Um, he's, he's no one to write off yet by any stretch of the imagination. He was looking good at the end of last year. It'd be pretty, it would be awesome to have our one and our two set, you know, for, for the- four years. Yeah foreseeable future i mean that'd be fucking awesome and then and then you think about it right go back to when we had nick fairley and damakong sue and we said hey let's go ahead and peck eric ebron and everything melted down a defensive tackle right away and we could have had aaron donald and i'm not saying about the difference between donald and 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 ebron right i mean i was sammy watkins that guy that was a guy i was the highest on for us right that year um but the thing is, is we didn't plan ahead and we didn't look at the contracts. We didn't look at the long haul. The question is, is this regime going to, based on the letter, we'll talk about the letter later from Martha, about they got a year to get in the playoffs, right? Where's their head at with mm-hmm. do they have time to grow this team or do they not? Yeah. And, and I, that's where I completely agree. Okuda makes a lot of sense. It just that if you take him at three, you're kicking yourself that you weren't able to get a little bit more value out of that pick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So it's tough. It's a, it's a tough decision, right? So <clears throat> I feel like chase young at three for is, is the way to go. I feel like Okuda has a lot of value, but it's a longer term play. It's an investment. People don't like, you know, you put that money in your 401k cause you don't ever have to take it out of your pocket to put it in there, right? If you had to take money every week and then put it aside, it's harder to do that, right? If you mm-hmm. never see it, it's great. That's why you can raise taxes and nobody really complains about it. So <laughs> the thing well, is... Also, remember remember what the Raiders were able to get for for um, um, uh, Mac when they traded him to the right. Bears. Like, if you're able to get a player like Young, even if he isn't a perfect fit, as long as you let him do his thing and do it well, uh, trade him in a couple of years and you might be able to get you might be able to get a King's ransom for it. Right. No, no, so. no, absolutely. And he, he makes that kind of immediate impact that a uh, front office on an ultimatum might just want. 
right? So, so yeah, you kind of think about it. You have to think about it from a couple perspectives, right? What is the long term for the Lions? What's the right investment for the future? What is the what's the incentives for the front office? Where are they at? Now, let's go to the next the next scenario, and this is the one that I kind of feel like I like the best. Okay, is a trade that still gets us Okuda. Okay, because I like I said, I feel like if we're just at three and they traded away for a quarterback in Washington and Chase Young is sitting there, you just have to take Chase Young. You just have to. But what if you trade and we'll say Miami because of the the easiest ones? You could almost guarantee yourself an Akuda pick and another first round pick or second round pick at least with Miami, right? And they get the You're guy looking at their later first round pick would be my guess. Still, but yeah, yeah. So you should have then three starters by what pick thirty three or wherever we we're at. You, you wind up in a pretty decent spot with what you have for picks, even if even if you mess up one, right? Um, so the idea of trade plus Okuda, I kind of like, I like that one, right? And I like the extra picks. And again, if you think of the incentives of the front office, if they've got to do it this year, they want to get guaranteed starters if they can out of this draft right away. How do you do that? You make a deal like that, right? You make yep. a deal like that where you can get more starters. You can get guys out there to play and start balling out for you and showing obvious improvement in those places right now. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I'm all for it. Um, the other one that I really like is the, you know, the the kind of the oddball one out there that we talked about with Jeff last week, and that's the the Colts thing. Um, the next, that's the next scenario. That's the next yeah. scenario. Okay. 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 Case. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm with the, I'm with the Miami thing. I'm I'm definitely down uh, with moving down to five because you're getting something out of it. Right. I you would hope that the that Miami is desperate enough uh, to move up to make sure that they get the quarterback that they want. If that's the scenario or that somebody is desperate enough to move up for chase young, that you get a, that you get end up with two first round picks. And here's the thing, Don, Don H just mentioned one of the things that I have in my head and cause, and he said it the exact same way. He's like, come on, man, it's the lions, right? You get chase young. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to move. You're not going to make any changes, anything. Had a minor, minor microphone problem there. I want to let you talk here in a second <laughs> so I can fix it. Um, you don't make any moves. You don't make any changes. You get Chase Young at three, and that's it. What happens if he gets hurt in preseason? I know you can't play scared, right? But what happens if he gets hurt in the preseason and all your first-round capital and treasure is now gone? That that would be devastating. The idea that you could have effectively, I mean, with our number three in the second-round pick, you could have effectively three first-round picks. Diversify your interests. Huh? Oh, yeah. Diversify, diversify your interests. Your risk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning well, my friend. Young Padawan. So what do you think? What's what's While while I quickly fix this mic issue, <laughs> and Road is warranting this for free, so thanks, Road. <laughs> if the mailman was a little faster, I'd be in better shape. Okay, so what's your thing? Actually, about- you didn't teach me that about diversifying your interests. I think that was Wu-Tang Clan, but... Um- <laughs> We're a friendly But no, I, I mean... I mean that that would be a terrible situation, you know. It, and but it, that that's obviously the risk that you ever take with a high high first round pick is that you know a certain percentage of those guys is going to bust, not because they were a bad pick from a talent or a scheme or any of that, you know, a, a personality perspective. Just because there's fluke bad luck in there, uh, some guys get hurt. It just happens. Um, and, and that sucks, but, uh, can I, can I move on to the next scenario? Can I move on to this Colts thing? Cause I, I, Fine. I go ahead. Okay. And do it. Okay. I need some okay. time to fix this mic anyway. About a minute <laughs> <Right>. away. <laughs> so, I mean, if we, if we were to move down to thir- number 13 with Colts, obviously we're losing the, um, 
obvious fit with Okuda. But what it does open up is possibilities. It, it just it just opens up so many possibilities. Because we have the 13th pick. At that point, we also have the uh, 34th and 35th pick in the draft. The 34th coming from the Colts via the Redskins. And then uh, we also have the Colts' other second-round pick later, like mid-second-round mid, mid second round pick. And the amount of things you can do with those four picks is just... I mean, I, I mean that's just insane. Uh, first of all, you those... You know, those early second round picks are basically first round picks because there's going to be guys who fall out of the first round simply because uh, they weren't uh, the right fit for whatever teams were near the end of the first round. The talent is 100% first round talent Mm -hmm. still. They just weren't the fit or they weren't, you know, they, they, for one reason or another, they didn't quite match up with what those teams were looking for. So you're the beneficiary of that that situation. Um, Or, you know, it leaves open, and Jeff pointed this out last week when we were talking about it. it it opens up the possibility of packaging those and trading back up in the first round if there is a guy that you absolutely feel you have to have that could immediately impact your team so i i still really like i like both of those options i like the miami option i like the colts option i i'm fine with any of the other like the weird ones you know the chargers sure. or the panthers or I, I mean i'm good with all of that uh if it means if it means some extra first and and early second round capital yeah i'm game like, it, but I, I'm always like that. Like, I'm less concerned about getting the single guy who's a home run hit than I am with filling out the roster with quality talent. Yeah. And, and and even at that, the more opportunities you give yourself. Now, granted, the chances of getting that home run hit player earlier in the draft are higher. But if you add a number of different chances to get a player like that, your your chances of getting that player are also you know higher. Yep. So my thing is is Chase Young is the guy, and that's why I want us to move to move down because I think, for example, the Miami one, Okuda and a late first round pick is worth more than Chase Young. I really believe that. Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I really, really ha- have a hard time. Um, with Chase Young's fit, and I worry that it's not going to be enough to to bring us over the top. Um, I, I, and like you said, I like the more picks. I, the hardest part, though, is you got to find a partner to trade with. That's yeah. the thing. And we talk about all these scenarios, and it's like, oh, you just trade down. It's not that easy, right? You got to find somebody to do it with you. Now, with that, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and open up the phones. Uh, give us a call. You can see it on the screen if you're watching on the YouTube. 248-782-8384. Give us a ring, and uh, we'll, we'll get you in. We'll talk about it and uh, see what's going on with uh, with your thoughts on it. So, yeah, that's that's the that obviously is the third one is the trade, and you get no Okudo on it. Um, I think, okay, we do have a caller. We've got, I think it's Brandon. Brandon, is it you? Did I recognize your number? Is it me? Oh, no. How you doing? How you, ah, damn it. I didn't. I was wrong. Who's on the phone? How you doing, bro? Sorry. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, no, this is Matt from Seattle who really doesn't watch enough football to be calling, but I just oh, basically, okay. this is the guy who was down uh, in Florida and tried to get together with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Northwood Guitar. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I've been trying to call a few times because I just want to tell you over the last year, year and a half, your pod has been an absolute lifesaver and has made me a complete <laughs> total fan again. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's good. Thanks, dude. That's that's really cool. To, We're setting you up to get crushed again. Just you know. <laughs> oh, it's it's, it's okay. Purpose. I live in Seattle, and I have to deal with all these people bitching about their team and how what a crap show it is. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> just the be quiet. <laughs> oh, I much prefer I much prefer the scenario where I'm I'm watching Vikings fans complain about their team than uh, 
than than having to listen to Lions fans complain about their team. So it's it's funny, man, because that's exactly what got us started doing this, right? Case, Case is living out in North Dakota at the time I was in SoCal. And uh, it was like Lions fan living on an island. I had no one to talk about. I had a couple of Bears knuckleheads. Uh, you know, just the, you know the standard of the Green Bay fan. There's no team in L.A., so yeah. it was just a plethora of bozos. And there was no one that wanted to talk about the Lions unless they were laughing at them, right? It was it was terrible. And so it was like we got involved in the subreddit, and that was great. And I was like, it's it's time we could give something back. And this this kind of came out of that whole idea of not having a place to go or people to, to talk about it with. So no, man, it's, it's great that you enjoy it. I really appreciate that. So, so not to put you too much on the spot or anything, uh, but do you have, what do you have any feelings about the off season, be it free agency, be it the draft? What, where's your head at for the off season? Oh man, <laughs> you're really asking the wrong guy. Okay. So the reality is, is all I really care about for this off season and it has absolutely nothing to do with football, and I totally apologize. That's okay. Whether or not my my daughter uh, is going to get uh, recruited into a D1 oh, uh, oh. <laughs> soccer program <laughs> because uh, she's had two coaches get fired already and then lost offers. So mm. um, that's that's where my head's at. Um, I guess the, the, one of the big things that I hope happens is that I hope people are a bit more patient with uh, Patricia and I and and, and off season I for some reason I feel like we should stick with snacks and even though I know we're going to in um, this coming year and in terms of moves I, I just am not the guy to talk to about this no I'm that's okay really optimistic that's cool. I I feel like the team's actually moving in a pretty in a positive direction and I think uh, sending the team kind of like positive juju is 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 a really important thing because the fans start believing that the team will start believing. And then the, you know, the organization starts believing. So that's, that's why I think what you guys do is actually really powerful. So. Well, thanks man. Well, thank you. I, I, I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. And, and I have to, I have to, I'm going to do a, a sneak, sneak peek right now. Um, but <laughs> the, 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 the coaching staff in the front office needs time, and that's something that they haven't been given lately. And uh, I got a call today. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play just you're, – you're here for a little reveal. Uh, this is something a preview to next week. We'll talk more about it in a second. But this is the longest tenured okay. coach in a long time. Hey, Chris, this is Wayne Font. Mm-hmm. Uh, just picked up your message. Uh, I'm going to – This phone number right there. Have a great day. Just wait, just wait. And it's about 80 degrees here today. <laughs> He's trolling. He thought I was in Detroit. <laughs> Um, we'll be talking to him. So yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a guy that got a lot of time and he's the last one that had a playoff win. So maybe there's something, uh, something connected there. Well, well, I hope so. And just so you know, I, I'm not like a, like I did grow up in Traverse city and spend like the first half of my life there. But, uh, so I am actually from Michigan and like a lifelong Lions fan. And I turned 50 next, well, two months. It's just, you know, it, it's just time. It, it's time, and it's time for us to change as fans, and it's time for us to – anyway, that's that's what I got to say. So All right, thanks bro. a lot, you guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, right on. Thanks. So, Sorry we couldn't get together on. when you're in town, man. If you if you make it back, no, man, it's, we'll hook up. It's fine. It's fine. All, All right. right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Good luck with your daughter. All right, man. Coolness, coolness. All right, again, the phones are open. We're willing to talk draft talk with you. That's that's what we do. Uh, we're going to close up here. We got about uh, twenty minutes to go, and then we're going to close up and uh, pop back on the stream to do our second segment uh, with Dean Blandino about the XFL. So there you go. 
Uh, so you can call in if you want. Uh, I think for us, that's about where we're at on the draft stuff. Did you have anything else, Case, or do we want to move? And if you guys want to call in about the draft, not this week. We got we got plenty of time to cover a lot more stuff. So um, right. no, this this week that's about where we're at. All right, I got uh, I got James on the phone. James, how you doing? Oh, look at that, Chris. Good night, guys. How you going? <laughs> hey, you don't sound like you're from around here. <laughs> No, no, I called, I called up you guys. I reckon it was after the Giants game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, I'm from Australia, so in Melbourne, Australia. No kidding. I'm sorry. That I'm a dick. Don't, I, I'm don't mind sure. me. I'm surprised Case actually picked <laughs> up on it. <laughs> I, I, I loved it because I've only got a few mates over here uh, that follow football and that sort of thing. We have our own fantasy league and that. And I told that I rang them up straight away and I said, the guys I listen to on the podcast, I love them so much. They, the guy even caught me a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got in trouble for that. We, we, oh, no. <laughs> we may again. We may again. <laughs> That's the only time we've been demonetized is because of that. Darn it. <laughs> I, need, I need a second and second delay. <laughs> Hey, hey, this time it would be a cultural issue if they, if they, if they, you know, oh took away our money for it. Um, do you, do you ever listen to the Aussie guys podcast or Aussie guys football, uh, podcast? I haven't, I haven't yet, but I, hey, I you should, probably. you should check it out. I go on their show every year. I wasn't able to make it this year, but, but for the last, like, I don't know, five, six years, I go on their show every year to talk lions. They did before the, before the season starts, I absolutely check them out. They're great guys. Yeah. All, all right. I will. I will. Definitely. Definitely. Um, a couple of things. I, I actually did want to just say, like, uh, same long lines with Matt. Um, a thank you to you, to you guys because, as I said, like, I've been a Lions fan since. Well, actually, I followed. I started following through the zero and sixteen season. So, mm-hmm. what a season to start! <laughs> um, I followed Stafford through college, and then when he got drafted by the Lions, I was like, all right, it's made. So I'm going to follow th- follow them. Um, but That's I didn't actually. Like- I wouldn't call myself a Lions fan until I absolutely just like found myself yelling at the TV stream during the Dallas right. game. <laughs> it's it's like <laughs> eating Vegemite ever since, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I yeah, cried. Exactly. If it's that's the same good. Dallas game I'm thinking of, uh, I, I, I literally cried during that game, and I think that's the only time that's ever happened. But <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. But like, what further you know, cemented my love for the Lions was you guys, because you're going to say that, but you're, you're optimistic about it. You always provide... You know, both sides of the story, and you let us as viewers make up our own minds, and that's what I love. And you know, by getting in rears and all that sort of stuff, who I li- like I read all his stuff. I read Eric Schlitz stuff um, <laughs> from US Wire. I listen to everyone, so it's just awesome. Love the podcast, love the show. I think you guys do a great job. Um, I'm actually trying to plan a trip to America next year for about six months to come over and see. Like I go to the preseason and that sort of thing. Well, well, if you make it up to North Dakota, let me know. <laughs> if you come for the, if you if you make it for training camp, well, that's that's a heck of a party. Uh, I would love to see yeah. have an Auss, Aussie guy try to put us down. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I will do my best. <laughs> it, it's kind of a badge of honor to to to, to, to drink with an Auss, Aussie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be sure. I'll be sure to have a beer with you, Chris. I'll be oh. sure to have a beer with you. That's great. That's all right. Many. <laughs> That's usually how um, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to like a, a, a thing with the uh, back onto the draft. Um, I wanted to say about you know if Chase Young does fall to us three, how do you feel about you guys like 
maybe the Lions trading back with someone, even if trade, uh, Chase Young is there, um, you know, for a team that might, you know, want that edge rusher. Um, you know, you know that's that's actually time. that's a great scenario that no one's talked about. I mean, because I feel like yeah. you have to take Chase Young if Chase Young is there. And we're always talking about, well, who would trade up for a quarterback to 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 get ahead of you know whoever uh, whoever else, or at least get the number the, the second guy because there's going to be competition for people wanting a quarterback. But the actual treasure you could get for somebody who wants an edge, that's interesting. That's an interesting concept. What do you think, mm. Keith? Uh, yeah, because like, you, you could probably get, like a fair bit of value for him because he's you know everyone's talking about him how good he's going to be. Right. So right. well, I still think. Yeah, no, I absolutely think there is a market for him available. It would just at that point, it would be a matter of whether or not we'd rather have him or whether what the you know what the offer is. So, no, I absolutely think that's a potential viable scenario. The problem I mean, the, is the trade down scenarios in this draft are much greater than they've been in any other draft. And and every year, every single year, I tell people don't get your hopes up because we, you know, we fantasize about trading down, but I tell people don't get your hope up because they, it's actually really rare. Well, this is, this is the first year that we've been doing the podcast where I think it's actually, you know, it almost seems more likely than not. Yeah. And, and I will say um, the problem, the only problem with that is we need an edge just as bad as anyone in the top, 15 <laughs> right so trading down maybe a little bit it, it, it may it, i just don't think there's the right kind of partner in the right spot for us to do that if i just kind of very quickly look, look through and think about fair enough. there that's fair that's All fair right. uh, as far as the next question would be like if you know if we were to trade down do you feel like there's a drop-off between you know because we because we're in that position where we need to make playoffs next year and Martha's you know, said about the letter and all that sort of stuff, that if we trade back down too far, do you reckon there's a drop-off between players that are going to be an immediate impact to then a player that might we might just get like a development player or something like that? Let you know, me, is there a point? Let's, let's use that because we have that as a topic, actually, the letter from Martha. And let's, let's use that, this as a, as a way to get into that case. Um, <clears throat> there was somebody who posted, his name was Foreman in the, in the subreddit. False narratives, Quinn and Patricia mm-hmm. face an ultimatum to make the playoffs or they will be fired. That is not a false narrative. Um, one of the things that we uh, talked about at the Senior Bowl, and I don't know if this was off the air or on the air, so I'm just, I'm, I'll, I'll assume it was on. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, we were talking to Dave Burkett, who spends a lot of time with the team and it was one of the few reporters in the room when that was released first to the press and then to everybody else. And, um, while the note says, you know, or something viable or whatever, I forget the exact wording of the, of the, of the mail. Um, he was darn certain that it meant playoffs or bust. I think that was just a couple of weasel words in, in case you had, um, you know, you're one game out and Matthew Stafford gets injured or, you know, a tornado takes down Ford Field, some, you know, act of God scenario kind of thing, right? Um, I I think that, and based on what Burkett tells us, that this is a playoffs or bust for this administration. I don't necessarily like it, and I don't like that thinking, but I think according to what he, where he's at and his knowledge and the people he talks to, that's that's exactly what it is. I don't know that... I, I believe that that's the situation as we speak, but I also think those situations are always fluid. If we end up the year, uh, you know, nine and seven and miss the playoffs, 
and, and they had a good showing and, or maybe what if, what if Stafford get misses half the year again and we go eight and eight and, but there was a really good showing, like a really good improvement on the defense or something like that. Right, right. Like, I mean, there's always scenarios that even though if you look at it, like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's definitely expectations. I mean, there is definitely expectations. And if they can't like just begin the, to meet those the pressure you know, in this town will be too great uh, because the negativity is so strong right now around this team has been since before he coached today um, with the whole article that came out and uh, about the past that didn't advance the story at all. It's uh, I, I just, I just don't think that the, the town will give these guys the opportunity. And I, and I absolutely believe that barring an abs- abject failure this year, they deserve this year and another year to get it together. It's it's what we've seen. Um, they need they need the time. And if you look at who your longest tenured coach is before um, your your longest tenured last coach, it goes to the last guy who won a playoff game for this with this team. So that's that's just kind of where it's at. Uh, Don, you're absolutely right in the in the chat saying that that's why it's so critical to get this draft right. I mean, and here's the part where it's crazy. If this draft isn't right, <clears throat> this the players aren't going to be a fit likely for the next coach and, and system and general manager. The general manager and coach are gone. You're, you're two, three years of building, and then look at where Stafford is in his career. This team spins and cycles for a couple years if it doesn't if they don't land at this time. This is a do or die year for just about everybody involved with this team. And uh the stakes are absolutely as high as we've seen them in the last couple of years. Back to your question real quick, uh that you know, whether or not moving down further in the draft uh impacts the ability of of, of the immediate impact and whether or not that impacts uh whether or not uh this coaching staff will be able to stick around. I mean I would say that's a factor to be considered, but it, even at, even at pick 13, there are guys there that like in the Colts scenario, even in, in pick 13, there are guys there who could have immediate impact. And even at, even at the, you know, where we would be then double picking early in the second round, I think there's guys there who could have an, an immediate impact. I mean, carry on Johnson had an immediate impact as a rookie before he got hurt. Yep. Um, and now the running back is position is a little bit different than our positions. So don't misunderstand the thought there. Uh, but just in general, there are players throughout the first few rounds, the first couple rounds anyway, especially up through, you know, midway through the second round that will have immediate impacks for their teams. Yeah. We just have no, to get him right. No, that's, yeah, that's the truth. That's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Awesome. Right, well, um, I'll 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 let you guys go. I'll uh, I'll get off the phone. <laughs> um, no, no, I'll, I'll talk to you next time. So no, thank you again, guys. Yeah, guys, no, thank you. Thanks for the kind words. The whole deal. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Be good. All right. Let's see. We got Before we started recording today, Chris told me let's uh, let's let's try to be on our best behavior today as far as language and, and things then, and, then, then, and, then, and and well and then I, I slipped up earlier too. So like, <laughs> let's check in with our, our, our fresh new caller. Hi, caller. How are you? And how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm just peachy. Oh, Brandon, I knew it was you. God, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> guess again, but I, I messed it up. Okay, how you doing, brother? Good to have you on on the call. Uh, I'm just doing fine. Yeah, hey, Matt, beat me. <laughs> Each other in the in the chat. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I tell you what, you guys have been hitting on a lot of good points, and uh, uh, 
uh, when it comes to the draft itself, there's just all the scenarios are now being gone over by all the various draft nicks and all the various mock draft guys. Uh, actually, they're making it really easy for all the teams to have to do this to try and figure out what to do with their boards because that way they can just already have it in print and they don't have to do all the research. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if, if there's any team that really, I got to thinking about this, if there's any team that will walk down, so to speak, that's going to be the Redskins. They need players, man. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. it isn't so much on the defense, it's on the offense. I mean, they're skilled players. they got pretty good skilled players. I don't know how long AP's going to play, but they've got some pretty good running backs. They've got decent uh, uh, receivers. But they ain't got nobody up front. Uh, if they can talk Trent Williams into staying, then they still got to deal with trying to figure out if they can sign Brandon Scherf or not. Right. And uh, and there was somebody else also that they got a problem with that uh, they don't know if they'll be able to keep or not. So uh, it, it's like I was talking on Twitter with Jeff. I said the, the defensive line is the least of their worries. So they could actually skip on Chase Young, believe it or not, because they've already got a bunch of guys. And if they do take him on, where are they going to put him? I mean, they can rotate him in and out and so on and so forth. Probably have a great defensive line. But how much of an impact will that guy be at that high in the draft compared to where other guys they can get elsewhere? And I don't know if their cap situation is really all that great. What what we um, need more than anything is Justin Herbert to be a superstar at the Combine, to be oh, yeah. just a home yep. run hitter. Because that's the thing that then creates value at three. The tradable value at three, right? Because you're absolutely right. It all yeah. is predicated on Washington either trading out and having Chase Young, which is who we'll wind up with, or uh, oh, oh, um, sorry, or or Washington taking uh, Chase Young and then giving us the opportunity to trade out. You know, because people want Tua. You put Tua and Herbert as two super high desire picks. It makes the whole calculus different on this draft, and that's really really what lions fans want they want those two guys they just want the world to fall in love with those two guys now here's here's something else that a lot of people keep forgetting about you've got to as as uh, one uh, uh radio host that i'd like to listen to called it you've got to marry up the free agents with the draft oh yeah and you've got to look at who is the who the free agent quarterbacks are and that's always one that will throw a wrench in the works when it comes to trade ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. don't think I don't I, I don't think that the Miami, you know, they're they're gonna go young. Everybody knows that. Uh the Chargers are definitely going young. And then uh, I mean young in quarterback, not not chase <laughs> young. And uh, <laughs> the Panthers are the the other team where you don't know what's gonna happen. The the owner was uh interviewed the other day and with you know had did a press report. He would not. Uh, he would not uh, uh, commit to uh, uh, Cam. Uh, Cam says he thinks he can stay. Yeah, he, play. he right. said I'm not a doctor. So, uh, He's not a doctor. So, yep. Nope. So he may move. Uh, you've got other teams down further, like like the Colts uh, and the Raiders. Are you know they're they're doing their due diligence, so to speak. They don't know if they're going to keep Carr or not. Eh, who knows, man? John Gruden. Who knows? Similar with the Bears. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. That's that's the one thing that John Gruden does have is you just can't predict crazy, right? You have no idea what that guy is going to do. <laughs> no idea what's going to happen so with the Saints at this point either. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so after everything's said and done, you get, you get a few guys who are out there that are viable starters, like Teddy Bridgewater. If Drew Brees stays and plays another year, Teddy ain't staying. And then yeah. you got you got even Taysom Hill says he wants to be a starter. Now, what's going to happen with him? Uh, he's actually older than Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah, he's thirty. He's never. Yeah, that's. I think that's a fantasy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, we we've yeah. only got a couple minutes left. We got uh, we got a time thing with uh, Dean Blandino coming up to talk about the XFL. I'll just say real quick that I do agree with you though. Like the the whole landscape that we're talking about, we could talk till we're blue in the face about what we think is going to happen in the draft. But until free agency shakes out, we're yeah. not going right. to really know what the landscape looks like. Hey, yes. I got uh, I got one question you could ask Dean. I've been trying to reach him on Twitter. It's tough. Ask him what he thinks of this idea of a, a rule. Uh, if they allowed one pass play on a run back, can you imagine what kind of strategy you'd have to oh, have? Oh, wow. <clears throat> All right, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that. that. I want to. I got a question Thanks for you. Man. I got a question for you, Brandon, right. Brandon before you go. Because uh, yeah. it's different, right? I mean, people have a different level of stoke on this one. How stoked are you to have Wayne Fonts on next week? Remember the last playoff winning coach of this team, right? I just talked to him together. He was so cool. Um, I'm trying to get a cigar time with him, too, because we only live about five miles apart. Um, I wanna, oh, you, you got to do it. You got to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he, he's going to uh, be on. He's scheduled for next week. Wayne Fonts will be here on the show. Um, with with that being said, oh, God, I had another question for you. I'm sorry. I lost it. I just I just freaked out. Cause well, I'm, we'll get him next time. thing I'd like to say it. If I could on the broadcast, everybody out there, you got to find you on YouTube, 1981 Thanksgiving Day game, and it's with Eric Hipple and Billy Sims and the Silver Rush at their best. Yeah. They play in the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Find it, watch it before they take it down. The NFL finds the thing, man. It's it's a, it's an awesome game. <laughs> anyway, I'll get out of here. All right, Brandon, thank you very much, man. Thanks for the heads up. All right, there we are. All right, yeah, we got we're running on a little bit of a schedule here, so uh, we got just a few minutes left. Um, like we said, Wayne Fonts is coming next week on the show. We'll have him on. He's um, he's he's awesome. He's he's great. Um, let's see here, really quick. Uh, with how the team played when Matthew Stafford was healthy, it's no surprise to see the Lions are given the oh they're given the best chance to go from worst to first in 2020. Uh, that was posted by Hybrid Remix in the uh, in the chat. I got it before you you speak to that case. Got to say. If you're looking for any Lions gear, sporting gear of any kind, um, Red Wings, college, whatever, go ahead and head over to Fanatics, fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. Head over, and uh, it'll take you straight to the site. You get access to all the pro, the college stuff, the official, real, top-quality licensed gear, and uh, it'll you'll get that for yourself. And it's a great way to help the podcast out because they give us a little cut of whatever you spend over there. Don't enrich in these people that already make too much money. Enriching the empire, the vast podcast empire of the Detroit Lions podcast. Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Use that, please, and help support us like like we like you to do by doing something you do anyway. All right, Case, let's talk about that. Worst to first. Well, I could probably talk about it for half an hour, but I don't have that much time, so I'll, I'll try to condense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
The, uh, it, you know, PFF put out an article uh, ranking all eight teams uh, that, that finished last in their division and who they thought was most likely to go worst first. Um, it's actually the second article of this variety that I've seen suggest the Lions are, you know, a good worst first candidate. Uh, we've I don't even remember if we've talked about it on the show, but I know we've talked about it on the Slack chat a little bit about, you know, the comparison to the 49ers Most and where they were at where they were at prior to, you know, their enormous run this year. And nobody came into the year thinking they had a chance, but if you, you know, it's easy, it's easy to look back now and see what, you know, was going right with them um, and what they needed to turn it around. And one of the big things obviously was the health of their quarterback. Now I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is anywhere near as good as Matthew Stafford. So let's start there. <laughs> if Matthew Stafford is able to come back and play healthy, he's playing as a top five quarterback in the NFL before he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, add on to that the three of the losses they had and the tie before he went out were, you know, one score games or a tie Um, (laughs) against, against teams, uh, three of those teams, you know, the losses all went to the playoffs. So, you know, it's, they already were in a position where they were likely to finish the year in a like eight, seven, eight, nine win range as opposed to where they ended up. Yeah. Don that H- didn't happen. So, I mean, that that's a huge potential for rebound. Yep. Don H nails it. I mean, he, he, he calls it again. Um, I'll be telling you, it'll, it will tell you just how close to parody the talent is in the NFL. If the lions could do that kind of a rebound. Right. Um, now, now having said that we also, and like around the division style here, uh, the rest of the division is in a little bit of a tough situation. And uh, you know, I know that people, some people think that they heard the exact same thing last year. And I get that. Although the one major difference is that the myself and, um, uh, um, uh, our friend Risden, whose name I uh, couldn't conjure for a second there. Um, <laughs> you know, we both agreed that the Packers had a really good offseason last year. It's unlikely the Packers will be able to repeat that this year. They have a, a tiny bit of cap space, but the best thing that they could be able to do essentially is to maintain and then pick up, you know, late draft picks Um, they they it would be difficult for them to entirely fix their wide receiving core Uh, Blake Martinez who's the anchor of their defense could be going for a big payday somewhere else or he could eat up all the calf space they have available Uh, one of those two options is is essentially what's on the table for them it's going to be hard for them to go out and do what they did last year and 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 it was a change of pace last year obviously what we saw from them going out and being active in free agency Um, but it'll be very difficult for them to you know repeat that process again this year Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still a good quarterback but he's not the transcendent talent at least it doesn't look I shouldn't jump to too many conclusions there. It doesn't quite look like he's the transcendent talent that he once was anymore. And so you, you take that away from them. And that, that was what that team was able to get away with for so long Uh, without that, you know, and, and they were a 13 and three team. They only had a, like a 63, I want to say net point, positive net points, which is very low for a team that has like a 13 and three record. You would expect some, some regression to the mean in that area. You'd expect that even if they, stayed as good a team that they'd be more like a 10 and six team. Uh, the Vikings have no cap space. They have, they already have an issue where they have, they're going to have to get rid of some talent 
they're going to have to get rid of Xavier Rhodes, which isn't necessarily a, you know, a problem for them, but that's still not going to leave them enough money to be active in free agency. They might have to get rid of one or two other, you know, contributors as well. They're not going to be able to be super active here. Uh, The bears are in a similar cap situation. They don't have a lot of money to spend. Um, They don't have a first round draft pick. It is, it is a rough theoretically on paper. These things can change a rough off season for the NFC North outside of the Lions. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, with that, you're going to buy tickets to anything, music, sports, whatever. Ticks, T-I-X, that Detroit Lions podcast.com. Ticks, that Detroit Lions podcast.com. We are now, we are running late. We got to get going. We got Dean Blandino coming up right now. Time for a different kind of breakdown. With today's special guest. And what a special guest we have. It is the Fox Sports NFL Rules Analyst and XFL Head of Officiating, Dean Blandino. I got it, man. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Pretty good up in here. <laughs> We're all excited about, about this XFL thing. We wanted to bring you on and, and give it a little chit-chat. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Case, what is that? Is that like? Is that a lion's bedspread behind? It's you? a blanket. <laughs> oh, it's a blanket. Okay, I wasn't. I wasn't sure what what was going on back there. All it's, right, it's, that's cool. It's, it's very comfortable. It's actually. It's actually really big. Like I, yeah. I need. A, I need a super big blanket because I move around a lot at night. So it's that, that way, I like for all kick the it tears. Off. It, 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 it absorbs all the tears very well. All right, let's talk Among about the other XFL. things. <laughs> so, by all accounts, we had a great week in the XFL. For week one. I mean, everybody I've seen talking about it has been very, very happy, excited by what they saw. I, I enjoyed it a great deal. I had a lot of fun watching the XFL. I loved the the kickoffs, some of the other changes. Um, what about from your side, Dean? You got, you know, as, an, as head of the officiating, right? Um, you see both on the officiating side, your concentration in broad, more broadly within the XFL. How did it go to you? How, how does the league feel about how this first week went? <laughs> Yeah, I think overall everybody was very, very happy. It's you you only write what's the old saying, you only get one chance to make a first impression. That's right. It was a it was a really good first impression. Although I didn't make very a good first impression with Lions fans, and I'm making up for that. But of course you are. It was it was really positive. And obviously from my perspective, you know, looking at it, taking a little bit of a deeper dive on the officiating, there's certainly things to improve upon and, and looking at all four games and working with our officials. But I think overall, from a, from a fan experience, whether it was on TV or at the game, the kind of the the access that fans had that you're not used to seeing, whether it's in college or or in the NFL, and uh, and some of the rules changes, I, I thought they they really went over well. It's only four games, so it's such a small sample mm-hmm. size, and we know that people are going to watch because it's new. Yep. But but the key is going to be how many people come back for week two and week three and beyond, and. I think everyone's pretty encouraged because it was it was pretty good football, to be honest. Oh, yeah. it was great. So well, let's talk about it. I mean, it's it's popping, and of course, week one. I remember week one with the the AAF, and it was pretty well received. But it's different. This this uh, the XFL really really feels different. It seems this like feels, fans, yeah, yeah right. This feels a lot different. I was involved in the AAF, and this feels from a I thought. Fox and E both ESPN did a great job on the production. It yeah. looked great. They put resources behind it. When you talk about like what we're doing at Fox, I mean, we've got, we've got Kurt Menefee and Joel Klatt doing games, Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson. ESPN has Steve Levy and, and Greg McElroy. I mean, these are top people that are doing these games and top production crews. 
it looks good. And, and the football was really good. Like you didn't see a ton of drop passes. You didn't yeah. see a ton of sloppy, you it know, wasn't. mistakes and, and things like that. And that, that is going to bode well for the future of this league. Kurt Except Metaphy. from Chris's team. There were, there was some slop we'll, there. We'll, but. we'll talk about that. Kurt Metaphy was awesome. That's what we want to talk about. Some good stuff here. <laughs> he was, I, I didn't, I hadn't seen him call a game before, yeah. uh, to be fair. I've always seen him on the Fox show in the morning, right? And he does a great, great job. He did a spectacular job of calling that game. He he's yeah. got to make Fox feel good at this point. Of hey, if somebody's sick, like if if the flu comes through here again, right? The coronavirus takes out our guys. We got a good backup here. We got a guy who could do this. Well, right? thank you for wishing the coronavirus on me and my colleagues. But that's that's hopefully that's not the case. But you know, Kurt was great. Kurt has Kurt. Obviously, people know and have seen him. Um, on the Fox pregame show, but what a lot of people like, you know, you haven't seen Kurt do a game, but Kurt has done, I mean, he's done football, he's done golf, he's done all the Olympics, he's done so many different sports. And and he's the utmost, I mean, he's one of the consummate professionals in the in the industry. And and, and I think people saw that on on, you know, over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You wanna go, Case? No, no, we read off your list. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Um, a couple of differences in the rules, uh, big differences, and, and I want to touch on them, and this is the list of cases talking about, because it's more than just a small handful, right? And they make a significant difference in the game. We'll start with the kickoff rule. Yeah. I really like this. This is something that I feel has a, a direct impact on on player safety and, and adds a real neat wrinkle to the game. Um, talk, talk us through it for, for those that didn't see this week yeah. um, and, and what it means from an officiating standpoint. So the kickoff, you know, look, all of these rules changes, they, we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel, right? The right. game is great. The basis of the rules are all NFL rules with some with a couple of college rules sprinkled in and then some unique rules to the XFL. The kickoff was one of those unique rules and a lot of thought and time went into that. And what what they did was they said, okay, they looked at a bunch of tape and they said, on average, when the returner catches the ball, where are the other take the kicker away? Where are the other Mm -hmm. 20 players? And, and, And on average, the kicking team was about the 35 and the and the return team was about the 30. So so they said, okay, let's start the play there. Let's eliminate that big run up where you get those high speed, those high impact collisions mm-hmm. start with the kicking team at the 35, 10 players there, the return team at the thir- at the 30, 10 players there, and they can't move from their line until the ball is touched. And so it looks more like a regular scrimmage play. The ball is caught, everybody goes and they start to, uh, you know, block and try to beat blocks and make tackle. And that's, uh, that's kind of, you know, it, it keeps the return in the game. And from a safety perspective, I think it helps, you know, protect the players from unnecessary risk. Well, we still saw some like interesting runbacks on kickoffs too. It wasn't like it it took away from the excitement of of that particular, you know, situation either. A hundred percent. Yeah. We saw some, some good runbacks, you know, nothing for a touchdown yet, but you had a couple of teams start, you know, you know, cross midfield. And that's the thing, like, you know, you, you get to the edge and you get one block and, and make one, one defender miss, you could have a touchdown. So again, it's, it's keeping that kickoff in the game, but also maintaining that that idea of, of protecting the players and making sure it's a safer play. Now, did they did, when they when they worked this out? Did they spend time doing this in the preseason or during camp yeah. with the guys saying, "Okay, we're going to try five yards apart, ten yards apart. We're going to move five yards up or down the field"? Because one of the things I saw, or one of my initial reactions when I when I saw this was, all they have to do is get to one side of the field 
and they're just going to be gone because everyone's starting from the same spot. But it all comes with your strategy and how you do coverage. Who's going to somebody has to go, you know, like we talked about the kids when they played soccer growing up. Right. Someone's going to be the, the, the sweeper. Someone's going to stay back and help the goalie out. Right. It's that kind of sure. role. Right. And, and, and strategizing around how you position yourself on the field. It really worked out well from my perspective. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how a lot of, like I said, a lot of work went into it. A lot of practice. They were, they were in the spring. We had, we had some other leagues come in some other, you know, smaller leagues work with their players. And then we had training camp in Houston and, uh, and had joint practices and kind of preseason games and really tested, tested it out. But I'm excited to see like how the special teams coaches, how this play evolves and what, what wrinkles and what schemes do they come up with to try to break big returns And try to cover them. Yeah, sure. Now I want to ask because this is this is right in line with that. One of the things that I felt like the sense that I had while I was watching the games, and I realized that the on Sunday, the second day I was watching, um, the field just felt smaller. The action was was more intense. It happened more. It almost was like if not not like the arena football, like like the hockey boards and the sides or anything, but it just felt like a smaller field and faster. Right. It was it was very very exciting. The one thing I was waiting for that I didn't see, and I don't know if if a team did it, I missed it, was that double forward pass. I feel like that's something that could be really – I thought it would be more impactful more earlier. Is this something – but again, as they've worked out some of the plays, it's pretty quick on the field as well. It seems like that's going to be pretty tough to execute. Yeah, we were were kind of talking about it too while we were watching the games. There were a couple of times – I thought the team was setting it up. You know, they'd run yep. like a little jet sweep yep. and pitch it to the to the receiver, and then he'd go around the end, and he can now throw that pass right. forward. So, so a couple of times I thought maybe they were setting it up to see how the defense was going to react and uh, and maybe try it later in the game. I th- it's going to happen. Some right. somebody's going to put it in and try it. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it works. My family was was making fun of me because I kept screaming, "Here it is! This is the one!" <laughs> <laughs> now, does that apply to like uh, the the situations we've seen arise every once in a while in the NFL, where a quarterback will catch the rebound of his own pass? Can he throw it again? Yeah, he can. He can throw it again as long as he's behind the line of scrimmage. He can throw it again. So you can you can make up to two forward passes sure. from behind the line. You know, unlike college and NFL, where it's just one. Right. Sure. Sure. All right. Um, the uh, the extra point situation is fairly interesting, and I wasn't able to watch any of the games live. I went back and watched uh, uh, highlights and, and some game film on them. Um, so explain to me exactly how the extra point situation works. Yeah, so there, there's no kicks. There's no, tr- you know, a one-point kick like the NFL in college. But you have, you have three options. You can, you can go for two from the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. You could go for you, you can go. I'm sorry. You can go for one from the two yard line. Out of right. First. You can go for two from the five yard line and you can go for three from the 10 yard line. So, so, so cool. we, we didn't see a three point try in week one, but it's going to happen. Obviously. Right. right. Well, when the, when the situation, the situation exactly. So, and what that means is it means right. The nine point game is no longer a two score game. Sure. And the 12 point game is no longer a two touchdown game. So, so this is going to promote closer games, comebacks. And uh, it's going to be, again, it's going to be interesting to see that first three point play and what mm-hmm. happens it's, you know, going forward. It's a gambler's game, right? Besides putting the, the lines out there, right? Now as a team, that is the gamble, right? The, the, the one, two or three sure. points and it adds a whole different element. And I can see teams handling that situationally different, but then also, you know, on the, the personality of the team, the personality of the coach, how they would attack that. If they want to really put the hammer down and just go touchdown, three points, touchdown, three points, that, that could really make a crazy runaway game if they, if they yeah. decide to go for that. 
Yeah, no, no question. So again, I'm I'm excited to see how that plays out. And like you said, it just it's it creates different different situations and different strategies in throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, definition of a catch. This is one that you you may be familiar with this this rule over time and and the nuances of it. Um, I kind of like the one foot piece here. This is this has made it interesting. I I, I do feel, I feel like in the NFL. That technical skill to get those those two toes, the toe drag yeah. swag, as as Nate calls it, um, I think that's really really cool and, and 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 interesting. But this seems to add to the pace of the game and add to that shrinking of the field, that 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 nonstop action, getting the one foot down. Um, did you bring any other experience into setting this up as a uh, a, a one foot down catch definition, or <laughs> you know, no, not really. I mean, that was something the league was pretty adamant about early on that they wanted to go to the college rule, the one foot down rule. Mm-hmm. You know, it promotes offense. You know, I I I like the NFL rule for the reasons that you said. I mean, that right. that separates college from the NFL. Yeah, it separates the the pro athlete from the from the you know the amateur athlete. And, and, the, and the great ones can do it. But what I do like about the college rule is it's easier to officiate and, and it's easier to be more consistent. You don't have that second, you know, that second foot. The time element is a little bit shorter. So, so it's easier to officiate and, and obviously promotes offense, promotes big plays. Cause there were a couple, there were a couple of, you know, long plays and catches that, that would have been incomplete in the NFL that were catches because of the one foot. Mm, sure. Sure. Um, the punt, the punt is an interesting one. I, 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 again, there's a little bit of a safety issue here, uh, and in in that you and, and how they punt can't go out of bounds. That kind of stuff kind of boxes in the punter, adds a little bit of a skill to that position. Where, in in many ways, you would say, hey, we're taking away the power of the punter by saying they can't kick it out of bounds to pin somebody in a corner. But really, the way this is is this is all about now the, the punter's actual skill and ability to drop that ball exactly where they want it. We saw one team, and I forget the game, almost get pinned, and and uh, they should have just left it. Right? They just left it. Oh there. yeah, that, yeah, that was the St. Louis Dallas game. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was it. Was Marquette's, uh Marquette um, who played King. in the yeah. NFL? King, yeah. He played for the Raiders and was a you know was an all an all pro punter at one point, and he uh, Marquette King. And uh, yeah, that was that was a great punt, and then they just. They shouldn't have touched it yeah. and knocked it into the end zone. What a play. Yeah, no, good, good, good rules. Um, here's something we haven't seen yet, but the overtime rules have changed. Maybe could you give yeah. us kind of a heads up to what to look for if, if we see that this weekend? Yeah, so overtime is basically it's it's kind of like penalty kicks in soccer or or a shootout in, in penalty shots in, in hockey where each team is going to get five tries from the five-yard line. And they alternate tries. Cool. So, you know, the, the one team, the home team will always go second. So the visiting team will try from the five. If they score, they get two. The home team then goes and they and they alternate for five until they get a winner. If at the end of the five it's still tied, then they go sudden death and they just alternate until there's a winner. So so the overtime is really cool because like every play is going to be a score or a stop, and uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty exciting if we get an overtime game. Hopefully, we get one pretty soon. People can can see it in in action. Explain the uh, changes that we've seen here with the game clock. Yeah, the game clock, that's probably the been from an officiating perspective, that's probably been the biggest challenge in just keeping those sure. straight. Because you have you have, you know, the, your college rules are a little bit different than your NFL rules, and now we're adding a couple of different unique sure. rules to the XFL. So so outside two minutes of either half, 
on on out of bounds plays and incomplete passes, the clock will stop, but then it'll start when the ball is made ready for play. So mm-hmm. so that's to keep the pace going. So yep. we know on out of bounds plays, it's that's college and NFL. But now the incomplete pass in the NFL and college, it would be on the next snap. Now it's going to be when the ball is made ready for play. Sure. Inside two minutes, you have this comeback period where every play that ends in bounds, the clock is going to stop for five seconds. So, so it allows the offense to use the entire field. It allows the offense, even when they're out of timeouts, to, to you know, the ability to conserve time and, and again, promoting comebacks, promoting right. closer games. So, so I think those are the big changes on the clock. And then obviously it's a 25-second play clock, which yeah. – which feels fast and seems fast, but there's a built-in. The play clock doesn't start until the ball is down for actually physically sure. down for the next down. So, so looking at probably a 67 second window plus the 25. So it's closer to 32, 33 seconds. Right. We're going to ask you. We're going to ask you later about like what do you think might work in the NFL? That two minute thing. Uh, with with uh, you know where plays stop you know uh, at every play within two minutes, I feel like that wouldn't translate great to the NFL just because teams would then well maybe I'm wrong maybe it would just be another you know way that that coach some coaches would out coach other coaches to set themselves up for for you know those two minute situations but um, that that seems like a I, I think it's a great thing for this system that I'm not sure would translate very well. Yeah, I kind of, I, I know where you're going and I kind of agree with you. One of the most exciting things in, in the NFL is that right. Hurry up, right. They, yeah, they right. complete a pass and they've got to get down and are they going to get lined up? Are they going to spike it? Are they going to run a play? That's exciting. You really, and, and the reason the rules in place again, to try to promote comebacks and give the offense the ability to use the entire field, mm-hmm. but it does, it does basically kind of, kind of reduce that drama of that situation mm-hmm. because the clock is stopped. So it isn't that, that true, true hurry up. And, and, and so I would agree that, that, and, and people are always going to talk about, Oh, could this work in the NFL? It's two different. It, this is a new league where right, you try right. different things yeah, yeah. versus the NFL is established and one may not transition to the other. Right, right, right. I was as as a new viewer, right as everybody was this week. I was a couple of times confused by the clock and when it was moving and when it wasn't. Yeah. I think that's one area where where folks who are just used to you know college and the, and, and the regular NFL clock yeah. are going to need some help and education. It's just me. I could be slow, right? Like like my clock. Oh no, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, our clock operator Operators are just getting used to it. it. It there's it's there's no question that has been for me and on the officiating side, that's been the biggest challenge. Got it. Okay. Sure. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, now this is this is kind of cool. The whole idea there's not really challenges, but there are booth reviews regularly. And it kind of goes to something we're talking a little bit about, but the transparency piece, right? Being able to sit in with those guys in the booth. Now, there's a couple of things I noticed, and maybe we'll just use this question now uh, during the review. So the one guy was using the Xbox controller. I wish I, I remembered his name. I, I don't. I, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's just out of reach. <laughs> one guy's using the Xbox controller to look at his film, um, and the rest were using like a mouse and in, 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 a, in, in a setup there. Um, the other part was, though, the guy who was using the Xbox controller again, do, do, do I don't know his name and I, I wish I could use it, but Robert, that was Robert Lou. Robert. Yeah. Did a great job, but the, here's a sense that you don't get the NFL. And this is the thing that I love about how transparent this is. What, the, you could hear him breathing 
mm-hmm. and the mic, right? He just, the way the mic was set up was right. But you could tell there was stress in this man's life at this moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, there's a couple times playing some Call of Duty or whatever. I've been kind of probably breathing like that while I'm, I got an Xbox controller. But, you know, he's got millions of people watching him, right? And, and, and he's sitting there and going through it. It's really, really interesting to get that view of these guys. I mean, you think about the witch hunts and other things that kind of happen with review and stuff. But to be able to see these guys going through that and how this works and the, hear the conversation, it's really amazing. It's absolutely, yeah, oh, absolutely changes the game on that. Well, I think it's, for me, one of the, I mean, as great as the game was everything, uh, when you think about the nuts and bolts of it, one of the neatest kind of views into what happens and, and probably one of the biggest positive changes I think that I saw in the XFL. Have those guys given you any feedback since then on, on any of that and what it was like? To yeah, that, that's obviously, and again, with a new league, you can try things like this and, and, and being transparent and actually letting viewers watch and listen to how that decision is made. And I think it, it kind of, it kind of eliminates that whole, like we get into not that Lions fans are like this, but we get into this idea of conspiracy theories and they're out to get us. And, and you can, when us? you, no, no never, never. but when you can actually see how the process works and understand that. And, and I, you know, I made the same comment, you know, you could tell that Robert, there was one point cause it was a close play and he, he, he almost sighed like, Oh, this is really close. And this, this is, and that's what we sometimes forget. This is a human being trying to work through a right. process to get to the right answer. And when you can see that, I think it gives everybody a sense of, Oh, I can relate to that. I, I, I can relate to, to that. I'm not going to come away from that thinking that, you know, he's out to get us or he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and I think that's the cool part of this. Now, now, can you do that in the NFL? I don't think that, again, translates to the NFL because of, you know, I don't think there's, you know, no one is as emotionally invested in these games yet, you know, like they are yeah, for, for the NFL. And, and I think sometimes but the fans in the stands were excited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it works for the XFL. I think it's a really cool insight into how these things happen. And, uh, and I think, you know, you, we talked to our replay officials because there is, there, people are listening to you. We want them to think out loud yep. mm-hmm. so people can actually understand what's happening, not just sit mm-hmm. there with the remote. Yep. And, uh, and they, I thought they did a nice job. He did cool. awesome. They, they all did well, but he particularly did well because he had a really, really tough call to make. It was so close yeah. and so difficult. Uh, I, 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 I get so much respect. Here's the other part of it, though, and this is where I think the NFL could could really consider this. The thing that this does is really allows you to embrace the, the degenerate gambling side of the whole thing, right? Um, and, and, <laughs> nothing but, but, to hide, yeah. Right, right, right. There's literally nothing to hide, and it becomes very, very clear, and that transparency gives the XFL, like they were playing the game lines and everything else and the graphics on, on, on the broadcast, gives you an opportunity to, to elevate that into part of the game and make it truly part of it. Um, because you have that kind of transparency there. And if the NFL yeah. really wants to embrace that, I think I think that's something to look at and, and think about because uh, it gives you a lot of credibility that you otherwise, you know, the conspiracy theories that, that brew out of Detroit and elsewhere uh, might, might be able to get a little nip on that. Well, we would just have to mute mute the call that I make to screw the line. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't play that part. Yeah. All right, here's another question. And, and I'm not looking for their home addresses so much, but... Um, <laughs> where do the refs for this league come from? Where do they, where do they 
hail. Yeah, they come from. So the staff we put together, they're all Division One college football officials. They come okay. from most of the your your major conferences: Big Ten, SEC, ACC, and uh, and yeah, it's a really a lot of it. The NFL has a, a development program that they have college officials that they give sure. opportunities to work training camp and go to preseason games. So a lot of the XFL officials come from that program. And then it just like the players, this gives the, the officials another opportunity for snaps to get on film and the NFL scouting these, these officials. So it's, it's, it's so valuable to them to get these, these, uh, these games and get them on tape and, and show what they can do because in the spring they wouldn't, they wouldn't be working football. otherwise. Yeah. You know, there's practices and things like that, but not live games like this. So let's talk about the move from XFL to NFL. Cause it, cause it, what a great, uh, you know, kind of symbiosis it would be if it would, if it became a feeder league, but isn't there some kind of rules about folks moving from the XFL to the NFL, is it position specific or is it just players? What, how does that work? Yeah, so I and I think the vision of the XFL and and the, the people, whether it's you know Vince McMahon, Oliver Luck, who's the commissioner, the, their goal is not to be a minor league for the NFL. They they want to be a standalone football league, professional football league that plays in the spring. Yep. Now, obviously. The players that play in the XFL, you know, want to get to the NFL. They've either There's never been or they, <laughs> yeah, and they played in the NFL and they, and what, for whatever reason, they can't stick on a roster. But when a player's under contract for the XFL, they are under contract with the XFL and they can't leave for the NFL until the XFL season is over. Um, and so, and again, and that gets seasons over in April. That gives them That's enough fair, time yeah. to sign with the club and, 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 you know, and be part of the OTAs and all that stuff. Sure. No, that's fair. That's that's good. That that's good. That, that clarifies. I think because there was some confusion within our Slack chat about when they could go or if they were restricted from leaving and that kind of yeah. thing. So that's awesome. Um, so the go ahead, Case. I know you got something. Well, this is. I mean, this is kind of the big one. Um, as you said, you know, earlier. It, obviously, this is a different league than the NFL. We're not expecting everything to eventually align perfectly between the two or anything like that. But there is some aspect of this that has to be a little bit of a, you know, a sandbox. Sure. Um, you get to you get to play with some things and see what's working and see what's not working. Um, is there anything that you've seen so far in the XFL that you really do think would work in the NFL? And, and maybe as a, a similar, but not quite the same question. What is your favorite of the differences that you've seen so far? Yeah, I think there are some things that the XFL that is doing that the NFL will certainly look at the NFL. And I've been a part of it. They've, they've studied the kickoff and, and there's been a lot of injury data that says, you know, injuries happen at a higher rate on kick returns. And so the NFL has tried to reduce the number of kick returns. So I think, you know, looking at the XFL kickoff is absolutely something the NFL will do and, and, and study it and see if that makes sense for the NFL. I think, I think when you talk of pace of play, that's another important thing for yeah. the NFL and in terms of eliminating some of that downtime. So yeah. I think the shorter play clock is, is something the NFL will look at. I don't think NFL is not going to go to a 25 second play clock, but I think right. that is something they, they would study and think about, okay, let's, let's increase the pace a little bit so we can get more plays and more action on the field and reduce the downtime. So I think these are all things they'll look at. I, I think XFL overtime is, is going to be XFL overtime. NFL right. is not going to go to that kind of a, and not, at least not in my opinion. Sure. The thing that, that I really like 
you know, I, I just, I really, I really like the, the three point try. I just, I just like it. I think it creates it's, and it's not an easy play. The percentage, what, you know, fourth and goal from the 10 is not a high percentage. Play. Right. 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 So, so you're not going to just say, Oh, I'm going to try it every time, but it just, again, the way the, the way the play, you know, the game plays out, you may need to, you know, you're down nine. Now you score a touchdown. You have an opportunity to come yeah. back and tie the game versus trying to get an onside kick, you know, and trying to consider. Imagine time. being able to score 18 points in two drives, you know, that, that change, how many games did that, that change right? in a season? Lots of games that, you know, you, when you're down 17, that's a three score game. Now it's, it's two, you can actually take the lead in two yeah. touchdowns. So, yeah. so I just, I like that. Not that I think that that's necessarily something the NFL will look at, but I, I just really like that for the XFL yeah. because I think it creates so many different like just unique situations with the scoring. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about um, the changes. I, again, great fun games to watch. Again, makes the field feel uh, seem smaller. Feels like you get a lot, a lot more action out of a game. I, I think the clock is part of it. Of all these rules changes, uh, how much of it did you have like direct impact in, input into? So when I, when I came on board, you know, it was probably in the spring and, and, you know, I've known Oliver Luck for a long time and have worked with him in the past. And he, you know, he wanted to, he asked me if I was, would get involved in officiating. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I love the game and I want to, you know, want to be a part of it. Um, so they had a pretty good sense of something, you know, they knew what they wanted to do on the kickoff and they knew they, they knew they wanted to do the play clock a little bit shorter. Um, but then there were some other things that they had in mind that we kind of, when I got involved, I, you know, I, from an officiating perspective, that's not, I don't think we can officiate that consistently, or right. I don't think that makes sense from my experience. And, uh, and so some of that went away. And, but I think for the most part, it was, it was a great, it was just a great process because I was able to provide input on some of these rules changes they, they were thinking about. And I was able to provide my expertise from an officiating perspective and make sure, look, because if they have this great idea for the kickoff and we can't officiate it consistently, then, then it doesn't make sense for our game, but we could, you know, and that's where we put together and said, okay, how are we going to cover this play? Where are we going to position our officials to cover this play and make sure we can do it? And that was the process that we started back in the spring and, and kind of worked all the way up through training camp last month and, and into the games on uh, over the weekend. How much of that did you bring from, from your experience? I mean, I know you spent a lot of time in replay, right? You're like the replay guy, right? I mean, you, you pioneered it with the NFL. And I think it's, it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely one of the best things to happen. I mean, there's rule changes and stuff, but I think that from sure. a fan's perspective and a, a fairness perspective, I know there's some real close stuff now and it's, it's had some problems, the rule book, but it's one of the greatest things I think that's been added to the game recently. And you did a great job bringing that in. How much of that experience did you bring in and give us one thing that changed that you directly said, Hey, I've seen this and this, there's a better way to do it, or we don't want to do that with it. Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. On the replay side and just dealing with the technology, we're using Hawkeye technology, which, which you're able to bring in multiple camera angles. You don't have to wait for TV to show an angle. And, and so, you know, I've, I've worked with them in the past and dealt with, you know, that, that kind of multi-camera system and, and, you know, just some of the things in terms of what is reviewable and what isn't. And one of the things I said, I said, we don't want to go, we don't want to make pass interference and subjective fouls reviewable. Like we just, we've seen, you know, and, and look, 
the NFL didn't, it wasn't that they were, they were just screwing it up. It's just a very hard thing to, to administer Absolutely. in replay. It's, it's just hard. It's very subjective. And, and so that was one of the things I said, let's stay away from that. Let's implement a, a, a catch all where if there is something that involves player safety throughout the game, that the replay official can provide input like any other member of the crew. And in the last five minutes, even if it's not reviewable and it's obvious and it's going to, and it could significantly impact the outcome of the game, then the replay official can provide input using the video, just like any other member of the crew. And, and so that's something we implemented that we feel like helps us avoid the catastrophic mistake at the end of the game that, that costs one team the game. And, and, uh, and we don't want that certainly from an officiating perspective. Sure, sure. Um, I want to I want to touch on transparency a little bit because it was one of the, <laughs> it's one of those things. I don't I don't know if if, if Vince was clutching his chest a little bit here or what happened, <laughs> but um, the immediate interviews and reactions from players is is absolutely fabulous. Abs- I love it. Uh, Pat McAfee is hilarious on the sideline, of course, but everyone running around doing the interviews on the fly. Uh, good stuff down there. But um, we had this this Dylan Day f-bomb and of course it was one of the first player interviews in the very first game of the inaugural <laughs> xfl um I, 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 it, folks probably had to be kind of choking back their coffee a little bit when that happened i mean <laughs> what? yeah i mean that's the that's always the risk you run right when when you when you have that access there are things that are said out on the football field there are things that are said you know to the officials, by the officials, players, coaches that you you wouldn't want your grandmother to hear, sure, you know, sure. and, and that's just part of it. And that's, again, it's a really cool wrinkle that you can hear that, but you are going to have to live with, you know, these guys are, they're out there. This, I mean, they, they, that, that happened right after a, a scuffle at the end of the play. Yep. And now they've got a camera and a, and a microphone in his face asking him what happened. He's already, <laughs> you know, he's worked up. The adrenaline's going. And he just, you know, he dropped an F-bomb. I mean, I've, I've I, seen live PD. I know Jim how Schwartz this works. Him. Exactly. I mean, I, I, don't the F and rules. Worked, I don't have to get worked up to drop an F-bomb. I just do it normally. <laughs> You know, it is one of those things that that it's really cool to see, but it, you're going to have to live with that. And uh, you know, it's just you know making sure that we, you know, we certainly don't want the XFL to be about you know you want this to be a family environment, people be able to watch games without hearing things that may you know offend them. So you just have to create that balance. Yeah, you're hoping the the networks get it get it get it handled because it's on them at that point. <laughs> Hey, um, so we've seen everything from week one. Really excited about week two here. What kind of adjustments can we look for? Is there anything we're going to see and notice from week one to week week two based on lessons learned? You know, I don't think you're going to see anything major. Overall, the big picture stuff, everything went well. Like the kickoff was such a, you know, because it was so different and yeah. so new. I don't think any of us knew how exactly it was going to work. We knew mm-hmm. that it, it, we knew it wasn't just you know, we didn't pull it out of thin air. It was, right. it was a lot of work that went into it. So we, we felt good that it was going to work, but we actually got to see it. So you're not going to see any big picture changes. There's, there's some minor tweaks and some things. I think as we talk about the access and, and camera people on the field and those types of things, just making sure that they're not in the way and they're not, and they're not, you know, you know, for themselves and for the players, just making sure that, that it's a safety thing. So, so I think you're going to see, I'm, I'm excited because usually whether it's the NFL college, 
the, the, the early games, the first couple of weeks, it's, it's probably the worst football because the teams are still, you know, it's extended preseason college. You don't have any preseason. So the football was pretty good week one. So I'm excited with these teams as they have more time and they can break down film and practice and do all those things. Our officials getting, getting even more comfortable. I'm anticipating it just getting better. Sure. All right. So one more thing, um, as fans look for teams, a lot of folks are just kind of seeing what happens. Some folks are looking for the underdog. Some like to jump the bandwagon. Yeah. One thing I did notice is that the only cat team did lose. And I was wondering if the LA Wildcats were going to be the XFL's version of the Detroit Lions. Well, I was going to say, one of the things I wanted to discuss is have you, have we, have we seen enough to identify the Lions version in the XFL. I don't think you know, the team that is going to be your your lovable, you know, lovable team, but they can't get over the hump or the officials are out to get them. Like, who's going to be the Lions of the XFL? I, obviously, Wildcats, there's there's a connection there. They did lose, so there's a connection there, yeah. joking. But, but I think I the Vipers think, are just the Browns. Oh God! Like there's no, there's no like. <laughs> See, the Vipers are local. No one's feeling terrible for them. They just them. were but bad. The is, and here's, <laughs> the, here's the interesting thing about the, the the Vipers is they 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 had the most yards. They yep. they had they gave up the the least on defense, and then we scored three points. So they lost. You know, it, 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 it was kind of a, a going away route. So. You know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I, I'm excited. I don't know how. I don't know how like Vegas and how they set lines. Not having seen these play these teams actually right. play real games, they have the over under uh, by like a half a point on one game. I mean, it's I like, know it's wow. amazing. It's wow. amazing. It really is. Uh, okay, Dean, that's great. Love, appreciate you coming on, giving us a look into the uh, the XFL. It was a great week. A lot of fun. You guys really nailed it. You guys did a great job on this, and yep. I think spring football is here, and and hopefully. Hope against hope that it's here to stay because they've they've yeah. gotten it they've got it knocked down. It sounds like the XFL has a really good financial position as well. I know the the AAF wasn't necessarily in as good as position, so um, things are looking good, right? Things are looking bright for us. This is I think, yeah, I think things are looking. I think things are looking really good. Everybody is. They've put this has been first class, and I've been involved with the NFL for a long time, and this has been first class resources, time, people. And, uh, and yeah, it's definitely been, I think it's here. I awesome. think it's here to stay. Great. Well, congratulations Thanks. to you, everybody that's been involved. It's been a great, great job. Great, entertaining football. Can't wait to see this weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. With that, we're going to call it a week. Thank you so much, Dean. Remember, this show needs your involvement. Use the comments in the subreddit to give us your feedback. That's what makes us the number one podcast for the Detroit Lions. Also, don't forget about us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Get access to the Slack chat as little as a dollar a month or more. You like to donate more and support the show? We like that too. Go ahead and hit that and uh, check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast. Instagram, it's Detroit Lions podcast. And on the Twitter cheese, Twitter machine at DET Lions podcast. Give us a follow, DET Lions podcast. It's the very best place to see Case. Chilling with Matt McGloin. Ooh, well, it'll be Wayne Fonts next week. Give us a call via Skype on Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word. Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line, 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. And, of course, go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast so we can come in your ears automatically. Where, who, what else would you want on a wednesday night thank you for tuning in we're gonna see you next time with the detroit lions podcast remember no pants no toasters no hot tubs no problems baby because we're your detroit lions and reddit connection
final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over.